Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you can Love just talk to you. Boy, it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. Come on in. Welcome. Love. Talk radio. We are honored. We are humbled by your presence. Yeah, 
It is my place of beginning and ending, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that ultimately I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine all-blessed reality. And so it is. I welcome you, greet you, acknowledge you for this Friday, April 20. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said April. July 2nd, 2021. July 2nd, 2021. And I am emanating and vibrating with you and for you now live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum, universally, from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince, High Potions, Hoodoo Central, LLC, in this beautiful, historic, most enchanted, haunted, and most powerful city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this Hoodoo, Obea, by path, and journey, passing down the great Obia stick, along with the knowledge of the life giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, traditions, history, culture, practices. And indeed, as our beloved elder, Denise Augustine, suggests and says and is our great stories, our sacred stories, our sacred stories. I'm humbled and honored and appreciative indeed by those who join us here at high noon. And at whatever time it is right now, wherever you are in the middle of your day and your consistency in, in joining us here in the creation of this shared sacred space. Um, so I greet each and every one of you both individually and collectively. Uh, Chef Bougie, beloved, welcome. Esmarie, Shamafia, Dark Soljua, of course, our beloved Nina Lloyd. Nina Lloyd, I'm with you, beloved, in your endeavors. Know that we're working it out, okay? We're working it out. My cousin, Lakeithia M., Lakeithia Mims, welcome, beloved, to you and yours. Greetings to Mama and them. I said hello. Goat Rider, the master builder. Greetings, beloved. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm going to have to work out that pronunciation. Give me a second. Eriwoya, Eriwoye, Eriwoye. I think I said that right, right, brother? Come on in. Denise Preston, welcome. Greetings and salutations. Good morning to you. Good afternoon to others. Good evening to others. Good night to others. Greetings, Shamafia. Indeed, it feels like a spring day, huh? Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's absolutely summer here in the city of New Orleans. Uh, we got the threat of hurricanes, uh, which is par for course for uh, summer weather for us, um, and of course we have the heat, the lovely, beautiful heat and humidity that many of you love and come to enjoy <laughs> about the Deep South and your visits to this region of the world. Greetings, Alexis Williams. Greetings and salutations to you and your family as well, beloved. Thank you for your consistent participation. Uh, Dark Sojua is pleased that we have a, a temporary restraint against the City Hall in Treme. But indeed, the work is not over. The battle is not over. Uh, and we're going to talk about that momentarily. I do want to bring my cousin Oloye Ifawole 
Odadeji Ifan Tunde into the conversation and allow him to offer his greetings and salutations. And then I'm going to come back and, and give you your Congo Square City Hall update um, and a little bit of history for those who are, who are still new to what the value of Congo Square really is. Greetings, beloved. Welcome. Come on in. Greetings, greetings. So, what are you up? She said to everyone, I hope everybody is doing well today. Uh, you know, I'm very happy today and hearing the reports uh, thus far of uh, Congo Square and what has been happening. My cousin's going to go over a lot of that with you. But it shows the power of the intentionality of prayers and not just prayer but of action as well. See, prayer with the intentionality plus the action is the thing that facilitates change. So I'm happy and, and, and grateful to hear that. Today uh, is a day that we honor and celebrate Ifa. We honor and celebrate Yeyeo We also honor and celebrate Yeyeo and we also celebrate Baba Yeshu. So, Eba Shirunila, Eleri Epen Mojuba, Rumula Mapelio, Rumula Mapelio, Rumula Mapelio, Ifate Jumbo Ki, Yomi Ire, Biobaje Jumbo, Mila Leo Lo, Biobate Jumbo, Mila Ri Ire. I give praise to a Rumula. Witness to destiny, I salute you. A Rumula, I greet you. A Rumula, I greet you. Arumla, I greet you. If I fix your eyes upon me and look at me well, for when you fix your eyes upon a person that he or she is rich, it's when you fix your eyes upon a person that he or she prospers. May it be so. I pray that all of you today will be a part of our, uh, our conversation today as we speak about, again, other aspects of shadow work. Uh, dealing with the intentionality, the intentionality of our prayers, the intentionality of our thoughts, and thus placing the action in that intention as well that allows to manifest the change, the change in action, the change in thought, the change in all areas around us. And so today is a good day to, to deal with shadow work on the intention of what it is that we desire to see change. Yes, there's still much more to be done there in Treme and much more to be done over there to facilitate the rest of the change. But without the intentionality of thoughts, the intentionality of their prayers, the intentionality of their actions, then no change would have manifested. It would have just been, been allowed to go on. So today is a wonderful day to think about those things in our own inner workings uh, in moving forward. So I'm going to give it back to my cousin so he can go over the things uh, with, with the uh, actions and, and the changes there in New Orleans so that we can all now be a part of it and continue to be intentional in our prayers towards that situation, be intentional in our actions, be intentional in our thought that further changes will come and 
further actions will work in our favor. Ashe. Ashe. And indeed, I intend to continue to share with you, present to you, uh, sort of the directive, the narrative, if you will, that we will continue to move forward with in our actions, in our intentionality, uh, in our work, in ensuring that not only this doesn't become an issue again, doesn't come up for us again, but also to ensure that the demonstration, ultimately the, the result-oriented work and demonstration is being presented to you and for you. Uh, my goal has always been to not just wear voodoo as a mask or a label or, or, or an accoutrement, a look, an, an, an activity in social media, you know, or even in real life that just speaks to something powerful, but to demonstrate something powerful through its result-oriented action, intentionality, and work in, in my life and in the lives of those who indeed embrace voodoo and ancestral work uh, to the degree that we have done so here in this space. And of course, that includes all of the diaspora of ATR, a traditional African-based religious system. Understanding that we indeed have an international audience and, and a new, revolving new audience, I always want to sort of reiterate why this is important, what the value of this fight, this battle is. Uh, it feeds not only the history of New Orleans, the history of the first uh, free black settlement in America, uh, the, the history of the birth of jazz and, 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 the, and the rebirth of voodoo and the maintenance of, indeed, African indigenous cultural practices and traditions into today's world, into today's reality. Um, we don't just talk about history just sort of to romance in the past, you know, no more than we speak of, of the future or uh, elaborate on our, our on our imagination and our creative visions of the future uh, to just sort of entertain mm -hmm. ourselves, but to indeed make these relevant to the present. How do we then empower ourselves now? How do we then heal ourselves now? How do we then move ideas forward now that are not only in our own best interest, but in the best interest of our family and generations that come after us? And even more so to those who might have a background familiar to mine, tragedy, trauma, abuse, molestation, pedophilia, rape, violence, you know, trauma, trauma, trauma. Going back to PTS trauma, post-traumatic slave disorder trauma, and indeed that inherited ancestral lineage of trauma that even predates. Uh, the Middle Passage, which we discussed and shared just a little bit on our, our last show uh, about some of the actions of our relatives uh, in ancient Egypt, Nubia, um, around that time. So I want to start our show today in continuing with shadow work, continuing with uh, soulmates and soulmate families and soulmate clans and, and how that works and why that's important. And we're just going to add another layer on to our continuing discussion. We indeed have talked about and will continue to talk about soulmate families and soulmate groups. Large groups of soul can be linked in soulmate families. This can show us as actual, this can show up as actual family members 
in this lifetime, like a cousin who is not only a part of your earthly family, but also a part of your soul family, or as possible working toward, or as people working toward common goals who never met, like activists around the globe working for a similar cause. We in our community gathering and continuing to gather around the tree in Congo Square and keeping those ancestral bloodlines, those ancestral traditions alive um, and, and indeed uh, well. And so sometimes one soul will incarnate to try to help heal something in a family line, like a pattern of addiction, abuse, disease. One soul may inhabit to bring together a family, a grouping of souls with particular gifts, with a particular offering to the world, with a particular cause for the world. When we look at the basis of many religions, we see families and communities and then clusters of families and clusters of communities coming together under shared ideas. Indeed, we manifest as soulmates as kindred spirits. Kindred spirits aren't always soulmates, but they can certainly be soulmates. Kindred spirits are simply people who really understand you. They might feel a kindred spirit as someone who shares the same spiritual beliefs you have or agrees with you about cultural issues to the point you could finish each other's sentence. Kindred spirit might also be someone who has had similar life experiences to yours, like you are both elementary school teachers or you both have newborn children or you both are married to working artists. It's incredibly peaceful to be with another soul who just gets you, who just understands you. There are indeed soul contracts. Intuitive and spiritual teacher Robert Ohotu describes soul contracts as agreements you made on a soul level to do certain things in this lifetime. You might have a soul contract to mentor a certain child or write a certain book. You may have a soul contract to help someone from a past life relationship now succeed in the present life relationships, to accomplish a goal, to renew a goal, to complete something, both in the spirit realm uh, as well as in the, uh, the physical realm. These contracts can be renegotiated. So if you are in a toxic situation or leave or change the dynamics to a healthier one, um, it does not necessarily break the original soul contract, but as I discussed in previous shows, a soul can can move from one host to another and still allow for the completion of a journey, the completion of a goal. There are also soul teachers, a healer or a mentor can come into your life via divine timing because they are a soulmate teacher, a soulmate mentor a soulmate elder to you, like a grandparent or, or, or a parent or a guardian of, of your soul and your spirit. It could be the college professor who encourages you to go on after a certain major or career path or, or the counselor or the natural path who teaches you how to better manage your anxiety. Sometimes a soul 
make teacher might show up to teach you by challenging you to do something different from what they recommend, teaching you the value of thinking for yourself. So many teachers are very special, sacred relationships, and each of us have been in both roles as students and teacher in a soulmate teacher dynamic relationship, whether we have realized it at the time or not. And then, of course, there are soul crossings. Have you ever heard the cliche, ships that pass in the night? It is a phrase used to describe someone who comes into your life, but the timing and circumstances are not conducive to a long-term relationship. This phenomenon can happen when friends or lovers, colleagues, when for a short amount of time you are thrown together and share amazing experiences and awakenings and spiritual personal growth, and even if someone doesn't stay in your life long, like a freelancer who works at your company for nine months, when, when you become close to until they move to the other side of the country, or you have a lover you meet on a retreat, and four months later they tragically pass away, it's still a soul connection. It just has a, a, a timing mechanism to it, a shelf life uh, to it. In the case of friends, you two might always treasure your time together and the lessons you learn, but your life's too busy to keep up the friendship in a significant way. But the soul tie, the soul connection, endures. Uh, I have friends that I've known since birth. I have friends I've known since elementary school. Um, there, there are periods when we don't talk. One, I haven't talked to in 20 years, um, really. Um, only to sort of reconnect again and, and feel that sense of, of family and, and continuation um, still intact. So when we think of, you know, maintaining soul connection, soul family, soul clans, uh, then we can now tie the conversation to sacred space, like Congo Square. And many of us right now in this virtual room dance in Congo Square, drum in Congo Square, sold pralines and, and watermelon and, and, and beans and greens in Congo Square, tailored, seamstressed, created original garments for others in Congo Square, laid on healing hands, offered healing words in Congo Square, only to now exist in this space and in the bodies that we exist today. DNA has been powerful for me and for my co-host cousins. And for many of you uh, within the dynamics of our listening, our participating audience has been a very powerful tool in understanding how we are inter, intra-connected, not just by way of DNA biology, but by way of spirit and soul ties and spirit ties. I have the pleasure and the blessing of, of visiting and, and holding hands again with many visitors and tourists to the city of New Orleans, to this neighborhood, this community of Treme, uh, to Congo Square, and the powerful Sunday afternoon gatherings that still occur between 3.30 and 6 o'clock in, in Congo Square on a Sunday, where we can, again, reunite and feel the power of soul level connections. Many of us are soul family. 
Many of us are sole clan. Many of us have contracted to come here and push the envelope in terms of the status quo, in terms of how we view spirituality, religion, politics, family, the individual, in a very new way in 2021, 2022, 2025, the, the, the coming generations, both young people and elders coming together to fight, coming together to build, coming together to say, you know what, we can't do this anymore. We just can't. I'm burned out. Can't pass another offering plate. You know, can't can't do the Friday, you know, afternoon service anymore. You know, only to seek out ancestral connection. And many of you are at the same time seeking out soul level connection. Both my cousins and I, you know, we we all deal with and assist with love and relationships, family dynamics which often go back to love and relationships and how we think and feel about ourselves and and our ultimate journey here in the world. I want to share with you from, you know, one of my friends and elders and community, beloved community members and leaders and author and educator, uh, beloved Freddie Williams Evans. Congo Square, if you haven't read it already, please get her book. Congo Square, Freddie Evans, Congo Square. Um, it's the first definitive, first definitive book on Congo Square, Freddie Williams Evans. Congo Square, now Armstrong Park, in New Orleans, Tremay's neighborhood, served as a gathering around for Africans in the early years of our beloved city. Congo Square is a public plot of land located in New Orleans on North Rampart Street. For you Google Map experts and Google Earth, you utilize this. Remember Google Earth? It's still there. (laughs) Congo Square is a public plot of land located in New Orleans on North Rampart Street between St. Anne and St. Peter Street. In the 19th century, it served as a gathering place for Africans, most of them enslaved, where traditional music, dance, cuisine, culture of the mother continent could be openly enjoyed, where that was not allowed, endured, or happening anywhere else in the the country, save for the Sea Islands, among the Gullah Geechee uh, uh, peoples who lived in, in, in a relative isolation from, from the rest of, of the community. Unique in the antebellum South, Congo Square's cultural milieu has led many scholars to believe it was the very ground that ultimately gave birth to jazz, New Orleans jazz. At present, it is situated on the southwest corner of the Lewis Armstrong Park, located in the true neighborhood, the oldest free African-American neighborhood in New Orleans. And we say at present it is situated because, indeed, this space that we identify as Congo Square was much larger, if you did not know. It indeed included the land that the municipal auditorium was originally placed upon. So our culture, this piece of land, the sacredness of this land, being under attack, 
being come for, you know, politically and financially, this is not new. This is not a new attack. Uh, it was a great fight to get the municipal auditorium dedicated in the name of uh, uh, Morris Jeff Sr. And, and we don't even use his name often enough when we speak of the municipal auditorium. We don't even reverberate that history enough when we speak of the municipal auditorium. So, yes, the footprint has been reduced. Once upon a time, um, my beloved distant cousin, uh, Merlene Kimball, the Kimballs, their house, Merlene's mother's house actually sat, I don't know, maybe 200 yards from my front door right now, across the street, across uh, North Villary into the park. Uh, That's where her mother's house once sat. So the community has been shipped away historically uh, over some time, and we're really now just in a fight to save the remaining footprint, what's left of this great uh, expanse of land. Today's Congo Square encompasses 2.35 acres, approximately one-half the measurement that existed during the 19th century when its most celebrated events took place. And indeed, we are actively using and have been for about 20 years, maybe 25 years or more, um, rebirthing the traditions of Sunday in Congo Square among our people and among our community. And we give great acknowledgement to um, Mother Queen Mother um, uh, Jamila Muhammad and um, Baba Luther Gray for maintaining that culture, that tradition, that practice and the organization, uh, Congo Square Foundation, Congo Square Preservation Society, uh, that hold up those traditions. This public space holds a long and diverse history under French, Spanish, and American rule that includes recreational, religious, military, cultural, and political events involving diverse groups of people. However, it was the gatherings of the enslaved Africans on Sunday afternoons you know, the good Catholics in Louisiana uh, could not force us to work on Sundays, but therefore we were not fed on Sundays, and we were then allowed to gather in this sacred space and create many cultures and many traditions from this sacred space. It was the gathering of the enslaved Africans that made Congo Square what it is that, and, and what we accept and know of it today on Sunday afternoons and the influence of their traditional practices on popular culture that made Congo Square known around the world. This location hosted public performances of African and African-based music, song, and dance over a long period of time, and at later dates than any other public location in America. The influence of those African cultural practices, rhythmic songs, music, dances, religious belief systems, marketing, and cuisine on the culture of New Orleans is significant. The rhythms and variations played in Congo Square are found at the core of early New Orleans jazz compositions and became an integral part of indigenous New Orleans music. They're still heard in second line and parade beats the music and songs of Mardi Gras Indians, 
and the music of brass bands that play for jazz funerals and black social aid and pleasure club parades. While the Africans who gathered at Congo Square influenced the indigenous culture of New Orleans, the city's culture and laws under the various administrations in turn shaped Congo Square's legacy. In 1724, six years after the founding of the French-ruled and Catholic-based city of New Orleans, Louisiana, 1724, six years after the founding of the French-ruled and Catholic-based city of New Orleans, Louisiana, officially adopted the Code Noir, or the Black Code, a series of laws that, among other things, established Sundays as non-work days for everyone in the colony, including enslaved Africans. I also want to note that the Haitian Revolution, for which many uh, in the voodoo community are, are really obsessed with, uh, took place some 70, 80 years after, after this. So the idea that voodoo wasn't already here, the idea that we weren't already operating in rhythms and patterns and beats and in knowledge and awareness, you know, rooted in West African voodoo, um, again, it's just no longer an argument. There's just too much documentation to validate the presence, the reality of voodoo in New Orleans, Louisiana, and indeed in the South, in the Deep South, long before the Haitian Revolution. No law, however, granted enslaved people the right to congregate, and the privilege for them to do so was constantly under threat. Any effort or rumor of an effort to revolt or gain real freedom jeopardized their ability to come together. Yet from the earliest days of the colony, under different laws and conditions, Africans gathered at every opportunity. They congregated this continuously at various locations in the city, along levees, in backyards, on plantations, in remote areas, and in other public squares on Sunday afternoons until 1817. That year, a city ordinance, a city ordinance restricted all assemblies of the enslaved for the purposes of dancing and merriment to one location appointed by the mayor. The designed or designated place was Congo Square. That's 1817. And now we're talking about the influence of the Haitian Revolution. Now we're talking about the great fear of revolt and uprising. And you enslaved uh, uh, Africans, you enslaved Negroes, losing your mind, so to speak, and, and fighting for, demanding for freedom and refusing to bow down. And so the restraints on our mobility were were indeed being curtailed by allowing us to commune in this designated space uh, we now accept and know as Congo Square. And those who gathered at Congo Square reflected the population of enslaved Africans brought to Louisiana. Under French rule, two-thirds of them originated in the Senegambian region, other Senegambian, Gullagichi, and others were from the Bight of Benin and the Congo Angola region. Voodoo, voodoo, and can I say more voodoo? 
I could, of course, list ethnic groups right now, Fon, Airway, et cetera, but indeed from these regions were the seeds to replant, regrow, redevelop voodoo in the new world, brought and then planted, fertilized, and watered in Congo Square. Under Spanish rule, because we were once ruled by the Spanish, then by the French, then by the Spanish, then by the French, then by the Americas. Uh, under Spanish rule, Africans were brought from the previous locations with the largest number originating from the Congo-Angola region, as well as from the Bights of Biafra, Sierra Leone, the Windward Coast, the Gold Coast, and Mozambique. Under American rule, the majority of enslaved Africans brought from Louisiana and the largest number that populated New Orleans were of Congo, Angola heritage. A co-host, bear with me. I'll be with you momentarily. Chat, give me a second. I'm coming. On Sunday afternoon, gatherers arrived at Congo Square from different parts of the city and from different social and labor categories. There were field hands, domestic workers, those whose owners hired out their labor, and free people of color. Some had been brought to Louisiana by way of the West Indies, particularly Haiti and Cuba. Others, other slaveholding nations, particularly under American rule, and some had been brought directly from their homeland in Africa. So indeed, we were greatly influenced by Ifa, by way of Lukumi Santeria, uh, the, the the Cuban is the Cuban X footprint, and of course by the Haitian footprint. But again, it didn't allow us to now bring voodoo out of the closet, and indeed forced for us in, in, here in America, um, it, it it forced our ancestors to take the practices and the traditions a great deal more underground. Men, women, and children congregated by the hundreds in Congo Square. Some reports say the thousands and formed circles. Inside each circle were dancers and musicians. Those who encircled them clapped, sang, shook gourd, rattled, responded to the calls of song leaders, added undulations, and replaced fatigued dancers. The gatherers carried their spirituality with them and honor traditional religious beliefs that informed the new world religion known as voodoo, which many of them practiced. Some of the principal leaders ornamented their garments with the tails of small wild animals and used animal skins as containment of herbs and objects that provided healing and good fortune. An early observer noted that those with the most ornamentation, who appeared to be the most menacing, attracted the large circle of company. And that still, unfortunately, <laughs> remains a factor uh, till to, to today. Um, it, 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 it goes hand in hand with our humanist sense of, of or need for uh, a, a degree of fear and mystery and illusion and, and entertainment around fear. Uh, and, and ghost stories and being scared, you know, and, and the power of, you know, something greater than our everyday reality 
greater than life, and in some cases um, seem to be, you know, spookier and, and greater than the power of God. Musicians play drums of different styles and sizes made from empty barrels and carved out logs. They played a variety of percussion, as well as melodic instruments, including the kalimba, the bonza, the panpipes, gourd rattles, balafoons, animal jawbones, wooden horns. These and other instruments, along with designated songs, accompany popular dances, including the kalinda, bambula, the congo, chica, juba, carabine. Over time, as English-speaking enslaved Africans arrived from other slaveholding areas, the gatherers increasingly added European-based instruments, songs, and dances. Those instruments included the Jew's harp, the triangle, the violin or the fiddle, and the tambourine. They danced the old Virginia Nevataya, old Virginia Nevataya, and sang, hey, Jim, along, and get along home, yo, yellow gal. Uh, some of you understand that once upon a time, um, yellow girls were said to carry a curse uh, in, in Louisiana, uh, that uh, getting a yellow woman, a light-skinned woman, could, could be a, a, of a curse. Uh, but we'll talk about that more. <laughs> and at a side note, yet alongside these additions, gatherers continue to perpetuate and impose many of their traditional practices. The result, blending of styles and techniques led to the evolution of new styles, indigenous styles, African-American styles. An integral part of the gatherings was the economic exchange, which had enslaved buyers and sellers at its center. The opportunity for enslaved people to earn money on Sundays, their day of rest, enabled them to patronize the market women and men and other vendors who sold goods that they had made, gathered, cultivated, and hunted. Popular items included pecan pies, pralines, roasted peanuts, molasses candy, kalas or rice cakes. Beverages included coffee, uh, cafe au lait, lemonade, ladaria, dupas, and other um, ginger beer, and uh, many other delicacies and, and treats that our people were producing and, and making and sharing and vending and selling uh, at that time. Give me a second to catch my breath here. Um, greetings, Block Talk Radio, 845-277-9143. Do press that number one on your telephone keypad when you're ready with your question, comment, or request. Greetings, Otan, beloved. Welcome to the conversation. We're just continuing in, but I'm starting with a little uh, history and then an update about uh, City Hall and, and what's going on uh, here in the city. But greetings, beloved. Thank you for joining us. Excuse my tardiness. I want to honor my little Prince Baba at Abaya Latona and Olivi, Ipasomori, Iyamute, Egunite, Olivia, and Sona. I've been listening in a little bit, so I've been enjoying everything so far. I just want to greet everyone and let's continue with the conversation because I'm behind. 
Well, all is a blessing. Um, all good. I hope that we all understand the importance of the ancestral following, the ancestral backing, the ancestral power inside of everything that uh, Divine has been sharing. Uh, the ancestral backing and power and energy is essential to our moving forward and honoring and celebrating not just the people, but the locations by which they, that, that they, they gathered, the things that happened in those gathering locations that allowed us today to receive the Ashe, to receive the energy of those who have come before and to accept the work that is still needed to be continued in order to pass our traditions forward. Whether that tradition comes from uh, Ifa, whether it comes from traditional voodoo, whether it comes from Louisiana voodoo, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, more important than anything else is that we are undertaking the principles behind the definitions and meanings of what we do, and we honor those who have come before and give them their due, and then continue in the process of keeping our traditions, our culture, our story, I don't like to say history, but our story alive, such that the generations to come now, thereafter us, will now hopefully take in all that has been shared before so that they now can continue the process of doing great things and keeping these legacies alive of these ancestors who've come before. So I hope today that everybody understands the importance of a Congo Square, the importance of the history, not, uh, sorry, of the story uh, that, that Divine is giving so that, because that story is also found in other places, not maybe to the same extent, but to other places. When we look in New York, we have places. When we think about New York, we think about the, the World Trade Centers, but, we, but many don't know that that whole area at one point was Little Africa. And so they built upon the burial grounds, and they built upon the ancestors, and they built upon all of the history and the story of those of the people in that time. Where I come from in Staten Island, New York, where I come from the original free slave settlement in Staten Island called Sandy Ground. And Sandy Ground was developed from the people who came from Maryland, from uh, uh, Virginia, and Delaware, and all of those areas down there that there was a captain that bought the fruit, that bought the land, and then allowed for our people to be able to buy their first purchases of land. Our people came from the history of oysters. We, were oyster, uh, we went out to, to capture the oysters. And so in that story, these stories in many, many different locations need to be honored, and they need to be... Uh, um, I don't want to say memorized, but they need to be honored, they need to be held on to, so that generations to come will understand where it is that, that
fortunate that we married into some of the original family of Sandy Brown. So my history with my family goes way, way, way deep into the Chinnacock tribe, into the Saponi uh, and Lene Lenape tribes, into all of these areas. Lene Lenape being some of the, the original Native American of the Delta, uh, of, of the uh, Delaware, of the Delaware tribes over there. So now going back into all those histories, I find that my family, one of the family names in Saponi was one of the, the like, earlier leaders in that family, so in that community. So we have to look at this. Wherever you are that's listening to this, you should be going back to the communities and finding the elders and finding the story and then trying to hold on to the story and then take that in so that the next generations can, can benefit and to learn and to keep our legacy and our story alive. That's the only way that we'll survive, that our story will survive and that our history, you know, our, our people will continue to survive. And I often hear um, cousin, you know, from people from all over the world, oh, I wish we had this, you know, where I live. And, and we need our audience to understand that now, more than ever, we, we have opportunities to not just revel in our past, but to create and recreate these sacred spaces where we are right now. If there is no drum circle where you are, create one. Be the originators of, of one. If there is no spiritual sacred space, you know, find a park, find a natural area, find an open space that you and other like-minded individuals can now gather and create a tradition, create a practice, create a ritual where you are that, again, ties you back to your ancestors, you know, but creates a new, you know, entryway for them to come and, and be present and, of course, do your history. Find out, you know, the history of indigenous and black people, uh, where you live and what state or country, you know, you live in. You know, find out what the footprint is there and, and how that is represented in your um, community. Uh, numerous names, official as well as unofficial, identified the location of Congo Square over the years. Uh, Place Publique. Place de Negros, Place Congo, Circus Park, Circus Square, Circus Place, Congo Park, Congo Plains, Place de Arms, and Beauregard Square. Names that travelers use when returning and writing about the location around, you know, the world was Congo Square. Include Congo Brown, Congo Green the Green Expanse, and the Commons. However, the name Congo Square emerged as the most popular one and appeared on maps of New Orleans during the 1880s, although no city ordinance had made it official. Beauregard Square became the official name in 1893 when a city ordinance bestowed the name in honor of Confederate General P.G.T. Beauregard. The popular name Congo Square remained prominent and wide usage during uh, the 1970s, beginning with the 1970s, 
and with the development of Louis Armstrong Park as a complex within which Congo Square is located. In 2011, the New Orleans City Council unanimously passed an ordinance that officially named the location Congo Square. Other events that occurred at this site during the antebellum years include ball games, horse shows, bullfights, yes, bullfights, cockfights, foot races, circuses, carriage shows, fireworks displays, military drills, public executions, hangings, public executions, lynchings, and the sale of enslaved people. In 1864, more than 20,000 people gathered in Congo Square to celebrate the Emancipation Proclamation. In 1865, New Orleans Orleans gathered there to commemorate President Lincoln after his assassination. In the 21st century, Congo Square continues to serve as a meeting place for New Orleanians, particularly those of African and indigenous heritage, Sunday drum circles, family gatherings, weddings, political demonstrations, uh, photo shoots, which I have done many, (laughs) the filming of movies, uh, Light Cloak and Dagger, which I am am well featured in, um, music festivals, prayer visuals, healing circles, gospel performances, extend Congo Square's legacy as a venue of culture, recreation, spirituality, and politics. The first jazz festival was held there in 1940. The first New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival took place there in 1970. And the first Congo Square New World Rhythms Festival was held there in 2007. Uh, The first Essence Festival grand opening was handled there in, let me count, 2018. The National Register of Historic Places lists Congo Square in 1993 and the Congo Square Preservation Society, uh, Congo Square Foundation under the leadership of Luther Gray, Baba Luther Gray, and Mama Jamila uh, placed a historical marker at the site that we from the community paid for from our pockets in 1997. So let's bring it up to today. I know that was a mouthful. So New Orleans City Council, after all of our hard work, our protests, our marches, our our email campaigns, our social media campaigns, New Orleans City Council approves a temporary ban on City Hall to move in municipal auditorium, dealing a direct blow to Mayor Teedy. Mayor Latoya Cantrell's plans to move City Hall to Municipal Auditorium. The City Council put a hold on any attempt to convert the historic venue in Armstrong Park to government offices on yesterday. In the strongest legislative rebuke in which all of us gathered in the the City Hall uh, uh, legislative chambers, the the, uh, City Council chambers, In the strongest legislative rebuke Cantrell's administration has faced to this date, the council voted unanimously to block the development of any government offices in Armstrong Park for at least a year. They also made clear 
they aim to permanently block the controversial plan, approving a resolution that announces their push for a public process and council approval of any future attempt to move City Hall. So we feel we've gotten, you know, because I know the city's listening, um, 70% of what we asked for. And temporary for a year, in my opinion, in my words, ain't good enough. Uh, We need a permanent resolution that this remaining footprint will not be decimated, uh, and we need a permanent resolution that addresses um, Morris F. Jeff Sr. Municipal Auditorium being utilized uh, as an auditorium of culture uh, for the world even, for classes even, for tourism even, but indeed should remain a cultural hub in Congo Square. And so indeed the FEMA funds for fixing the building should be utilized but any other plans to uh, to sort of redo the park need to be readdressed. And my community, of which I'm a strong component and member of, uh, I, I sit in the view of the park. As I look this way, I'm looking out, out my window at the park. I'm standing at the front door looking at the park. And I personally do not want to see government buildings. I want to see trees and more trees than trees that are already there. I don't want to see parking garages. I want to see culture. I want to see second lines. I want to hear brass bands. I want to feel free to go and pray and pour libation and offer offerings to the ancestors. And I want that space to be free to others to do the same. So in response, the Cantrell administration announced yesterday, late yesterday, it is delaying a planned contract to adopt municipal auditorium. And it seems to suggest it would leave the building in its current unrepaired state, at least for now. And for those of you who don't know, the building has a major leak in the ceiling, major leak. So as every storm comes through, as every rain passes through, further damage is being done to the building um, that will have to be addressed at some point. Think of the mold and, and the mildew. Think Things have to be addressed. The council's actions on Thursday are not in themselves the final nail in the coffin for the proposal, which has generated intense opposition from both the municipal auditorium's neighbors, which I am one of, in Treme, and from residents from across the city. Nor are they the first time in effort in abandoning the ailing and problem-ridden city hall has floundered in the face of city council, but they represent a somewhat novel use of zoning rules rather than the traditional power of the perk to block an unpopular plan that has grown into a liability for Cantrell and an opportunity for council members as the fall elections do approach. City council, the fall elections do approach. We will remember. Cantrell, Mayor Cantrell, beloved Auntie Titi, the fall elections do approach. We will remember. The fight over City Hall is not done. The fight to keep you all out of Treme from damaging Treme is not done. We understand battles. We understand scrimmages. We understand that this this is not over. <laughs> the fight over City Hall plan has gained 
great intensity in recent weeks as deadlines to award the initial round of contractors to oversee and design what has until now been a conceptual project has drawn closer. How do you offer contracts to the design, the redesign space that has not been decided on, publicly discussed by the community and what you're attempting to make that move within? Opponents argue that the proposal, which would see a reduced on-site city hall workforce packed into municipal auditorium space, amounts to an infringement on the sacred space of Congo Square and a betrayal of the cultural history of the venue. We have to constantly work together to make sure the decisions we make and the needs of the people are not at cross purposes. Interim Council Member Donna Glapion said on yesterday, adding that the city's plans need to recognize that brick and mortar have deeper sentimental and spiritual implications. Council members on yesterday expressed support for keeping Municipal Auditorium as a cultural site and seeking alternative locations to house city government, with a particular focus on using a new municipal complex to, to boost the fortunes of New Orleans East. Mayors have sought to move out of the 65-year-old city hall for much of its history, citing its intensive maintenance problems. Cantrell lit on the idea of a municipal auditorium move relatively early in her term, suggesting the relocation could be funded with the available FEMA money and possibly of selling the downtown property where city government and civil district courts now sit. And because of the FEMA money element, that's why I implored you to keep contacting Cedric Richmond, to keep contacting uh, um, Troy, um, Congress uh, member Troy, uh, because they indeed have the power to look into uh, the FEMA, any rumored shenanigans around the FEMA, how the FEMA is being used and addressed as it relates to this space. But many residents are calling for municipal auditorium to be preserved as a cultural space. Fix the building, redo, renew the building to its glory as a, you know, auditorium, a performance auditorium, and utilize it for cultural space. The world is looking at us. The world is looking at us. We cannot desecrate Louis Armstrong Park. We cannot desecrate the legacy of Morris F. Jeff Sr. We cannot desecrate the Municipal Auditorium, nor Congo Square, and the sacredness that is Congo Square, Jackie Harris, a representative of the Louis Armstrong Education Foundation, told the City Council ahead of their vote also on yesterday. Anyone who thinks this is a good idea is showing a lack of respect for Mr. Armstrong and the Tremaine neighborhood. And I need you all to remember that the present City Hall building is sitting on top of Louis Armstrong's original residence and location. So that history was trampled upon. And now this park, in his name, 
which represents not just Louis Armstrong, but Mahalia Jackson and so many others, is now also being threatened by any idea of a city hall. So opponents have also argued that it is inappropriate to put city hall near Congo Square, where enslaved Africans were allowed to gather before the Civil War, and in a park that the city had bulldozed homes, my people's homes, many other people who grew up, who lived, who have a history and a tie to this community, their homes were built, were bulldozed decades ago to build the present Armstrong Park. We've been cheated out of so much, resident Larry Morgan said. We've been cheated out of so much. The government has cheated us, city government, state government, and federal government. And I say to you people, we're not begging for this. We're not begging for this. And I'm going to add personally, Divine Prince, we're demanding this. This occasion where we're demanding to be respected, we're demanding to continue to be acknowledged, we're demanding to continue to be a part of the process, we're demanding that this footprint not be erased. Thursday's council votes focus on preventing immediate efforts to convert municipal auditorium and then putting a permanent process in place to govern any future attempts to move City Hall. The first effort, sponsored by City Councilman Christian um, Gilson Palmer, would prevent the city from taking steps to convert the venue into government offices. Though it would still allow for general repairs to be made with the $38 million in FEMA funding, that first drew the administration's eye to the building. It also kicks off a process to create an interim zoning district, a more formal roadblock that would remain in place for a year. The administration initially declined to comment on the vote. In a statement issued around 8 p.m. U.S. Central Standard Time on yesterday, Mayor Cantrell Press Secretary Latoya Norton said the mayor's office would push back the awarding of two contracts, one to manage the renovation and the other for an architect to cram city offices into the former venue by 90 days, 90 days in light of the city's actions. And, of course, we're going to be on your ass like white or rice for every day of the next 90 days. The statement also claimed that the votes could put the availability of FEMA funds in question, though an email sent to Palmer, Councilwoman Palmer, by the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, which oversees some FEMA funding, indicated that nothing about the measure would imperil that money as long as it was used to fix parts of the building not to expand any new vision of, of the park or Treme. Without a clear path on the future use of Municipal Auditorium, the building will remain unsecured, and the use and availability of FEMA funds associated with the building are in question, Norton said. The second proposed by Glapion, Council uh, uh, Member Glapion and Council Member Helena Moreno, will require a conditional use permit, which requires neighborhood meetings, of which I will be a part of every single one, 
city planning commission hearings, of which I will be part of every single one, and a city council vote, of which I will be present to every single one, to locate the seat of government on any property in the city. That measure was not drafted in time for the city council to start the process of putting that requirement in place on yesterday. But council members approved a non-binding resolution supporting it. Mike Sherman, who served as executive counsel for former mayor Mitch Landrew and is now a land use attorney, said conflicts between an administration and council members typically don't come down to zoning matters. Fights over finances, since the council controls the city budget, are more typical. In fact, the council's refusal to approve a deal proposed by former Mayor Reagan, Ray Nagin, that would have moved City Hall to the then vacant Chevron building, killed that proposal more than a decade ago. But nothing in the city's ordinances or charter exempts the administration from zoning rules that govern private development, Sherman said. Of all the different checks and balances, it's pretty untraditional to use zoning. But in this case, it appears quite effective, he said. The mayor cannot veto Palmer's motion that we put into place yesterday, putting a halt to the development or the measure from Moreno put into yesterday, kicking off a process that would likely end with requirements for public and council participation moving forward. A veto of the interim zoning district itself and of the new conditional use permit requirements are be possible, but they could be overwritten by the council. I think there might be a typo here. A veto of the interim zoning district itself and of the new conditional use permits requires are be possible, but they could be overridden by the council. Might be possible. Might be possible, but could be overridden by the council. As for City Hall's future, many council members turned their eyes to the east, New Orleans East. I want to remind you, Byron Cole offered the East in our first uh, open committee meeting in the community. Many others in the community have, have offered New Orleans East, noting that there are vast tracts available and that a show of faith from city government could indeed improve the area's fortunes. We know there's a lot of neighborhoods in our city that could use a little something-something from City Hall to boost them up, said City Council Member Cindy Wynn, who represents the area. So that is the state of the present state of the battle to save what is sacred space in Congo Square, in historic Treme, in this first free black community um, in America. And I'm grateful for all of you all's participation, all of you all who sent letters, who sent uh, emails, I am aware of who participated, who got behind us um, in this great effort. So I greatly appreciate you and you all taking the time out to even hear me um, share that information and for your your new awareness about our love and our sort of possessive emotional attachment to Congo Square and Jermaine 
in our culture. Let, let me tell you, there's nothing more invigorating for me to be exhausted at the end of the day. I mean, just exhausted. And I'm laying down in bed, and, and I'm in that in-between state between sleep and waking. You know, I'm about to really doze off, but I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. Let me get up and take my clothes off and get into my night clothes. It's 10. It's 11 at night. It's one in the morning, and then you hear a brass band. Then, then you hear a drum <laughs> on the street. And, and let me tell you, this is no joke. This is no lie. Um, I have a set of clothing always right on hand near the door so that, you know, I can jump up out of sleep, get the crust out, you know, and jump into those clothes and be in those second lines be out there to film them. There's nothing more invigorating of the sound of those approaching drums and those, and those approaching brass uh, rhythm instruments, I mean brass instruments, you, your trumpets and your, and your uh, um, tubas and, and, and many other instruments that, that the brass bands uh, employ. You know, there's nothing more invigorating of, you know, it wakes up not only the ancestors, but it wakes up the living. You know, to acknowledge now, once living is, is now moving on into the next phase of their of their existence. You know, there's no sad funeral. There's no crying funeral, you know, with the second line, with the jazz funeral. And people are shocked and amazed on my TikTok. They're shocked and amazed, you know, uh, when, when people pull over and park and get out and start dancing, you know, and, and start doing the bounce. And I hope y'all understand that bounce and that rump shaking, that's all West African. That's all West African. You know, <laughs> the sisters, you know, moving their hips and then the, and the brothers gyrating, it's all West African, y'all. Get over it. You know, it's not excessively sexualized. It's not excessively anything negative, but us hearing a rhythm and feeling a rhythm all the way to the, to, the, to the core, to the subconscious level, and your body just has to respond to it. Your spirit just has to respond to it. You know, so, yeah, people park, they pull over, you can't go nowhere anyway because the rule here is, because somebody asked me about the legalities of the second line, the rule here in the city is you got to move out the way when you see something sacred coming through. And the police support it. Often the police are leading it, or are right behind it, and they make sure that, indeed, there is no foolishness, that you don't inadvertently run over somebody in the second line, oh, that's a no-no. For you to run over somebody who's walking in the street as a part of a procession, a sacred procession in New Orleans, whether it be a second line, whether it be the Mardi Gras Indians, the baby dolls in the street, whether it be the skull and bones, you know, Oloye equal to the Agungun running through the street, you don't get in the way. You don't look at your watch and say, oh, I'm in a hurry to my appointment and think you're going to drive through. You know, and I've been on the street where people have thought that that was going to happen. <laughs> and, and I was the first line of defense, you know, with, with this huge seven-foot stick in my hand, you know, fully suited in my Egungun ancestral indigenous Indian suit. You know, oh, they have to stop. And, and the brothers gather around, oh, you know you have to stop, and you know when you cross the line and you might be in trouble. <laughs> you know, so people show respect. 
you know, for this tradition, for this culture. Um, people show respect to Congo Square. You don't find a whole lot of trash and litter in Congo Square. And when you do, there's too many of us that are willing to go out there and pick it up. Uh, Covenant House, many of you are familiar with, Covenant House, a, a shelter, a safe haven for runaway, you know, children, abused children, young people on the street, right across the street from Congo Square. They literally can see Congo Square from their room windows. And often when they're out during the day, because they have to be out and about during the day, it's part of the rules. You're either working in school or doing something. So if they're not doing nothing, they're in the park. They're on the benches in Congo Square. And so we have an opportunity to hold their hands and to fill their hearts and to breathe life into many segments of our community because of Congo Square. People indeed come to Congo Square sick and find healing. People indeed come to Congo Square impoverished and find fortunes and blessings. People indeed do come to Congo Square lost and broken, you know, and find renewal and life, and in some cases, love and new family. Indeed, we must respect and understand. We speak of the present. We're reminded and mindful of the past. But know that, that our future, my future vision is many houses, many circles, many squared circles, many sacred spaces that you, under the sound of my voice, are now, writing down the process of churning in your mind and writing down on a piece of paper and are going to start creating. Maybe this week, maybe this weekend, you know, start a drum circle where you are. Start a sister circle where you are. Start a brother circle where you are. And invite your community, your friends, your peers to bring their experience and their knowledge and their awareness. I assure you that we exist where you are if you live in the United States. I can't speak a whole lot to other regions of the world. But sure, if you're in the United States, E5 is there. Voodoo is there. These traditions are there. There's just many of us who are still practicing in isolation and in silence, which is not practicing. So you can't really be in these traditions and be in isolation. You know, it's very hard to have one of your neighbor's elders pass your house in a white chariot with white horses and a coffin and a party-like procession and just ignore that. You can't. You can't. And it does something to your heart, so when you see the child broken on the street, you can't ignore them. This neighborhood cared for their children. This neighborhood cared for their abuse, historically. And it's still happening today, even under the threat of gentrification. Those of us who know each other, who are aware of each other, are still holding out each other's hands, still asking how your mom and them, how your kids, how your relative that's incarcerated, How's your relative that's sick or disabled? What can I do for you? Have you been out to the second line? You know, it, it's it's a joyful experience. So when I use words like force, I don't want you to, to receive anything negative, but it forces you out of your comfort zone to live in this kind of environment. You, you just can't sit back and be quiet and bore with me and, and unto yourself. My neighbors will not allow it. They will not allow it. And if they don't see you, you know, they're going to knock on your door. They're going to they gonna pick up the phone. You know, and if they do see you, they're going to ask questions all the time. 
They're going to want to know how your children doing, how your family doing. What, did you see the second line? You know, did you participate in, you know, at the last event? You know, they're going to want to know, oh, yeah, you know, how, how things coming, how the young men coming along, you know, in your community, you know. It's, it's very important that we, to, to me, when I think about what you're saying, in many of our communities across the United States, it is definitely how our ancestors and elders held their communities together. Well, you know, the, the second line might be uh, something in particularly unique to your area. For many of the, of the areas, though, when you look at the differences between society and communities then and what's happening today, we've lost the closeness and the feeling of family towards each other. Everybody was your aunt if they were older. That's right. Everybody was your cousin, even if they weren't in particular blood. Everybody was a member of your family such that if one person was sick or if there was a need, then the rest of the community would do their part as best they could to help that person that's in need. We've lost that. We don't even know our next-door neighbors. And for some, the next-door neighbors don't even want us there. So, you know, it's a little bit different. But now, when I listen to the things that you talk about, maybe not next door to us, but at the community as law, at large, we should be able to now assist one another because there's so many people that are in need. There are so many people who have not... Now, this is part of the shadow work. There are so many people who don't have even life insurance. We need to assist people to understand the importance of that so that not everybody has to try to hustle to get the money needed for a person's, you know, funeral rights. There's so many people that don't have medical care. And now today we have medical care that you can actually get for zero dollars a month, although you have to pay maybe a little extra at the doctor's office. There's so much many people who are going through trials and tribulations with their family, with their children. So many are fearful of their own children. There's others that need to step in as men to be able to assist in, in helping our, our families that maybe have young, young men to raise them up that are not afraid of them that can teach them elements of what it takes to be a young man, a good man, a man that is in alignment with, with good things and elevating the community. So when I look at all of these components, we as spiritual leaders have an opportunity ourselves to be a significant part of those who are with us, a part of their lives, and help them to bring those things in order for their families. 
Now, we also have to remember as spiritual leaders that we cannot do the work for them, but we can point to them and be a part of the things that they need to do. So I hope that we as spiritual leaders will look deeper into the lives of those who are with us and under our covering and assist them when we can and how we can to now fix those things and help those things to be better and stronger in their families, in in their lives. So when I look at this situation, in all of our in all of our states, not countries, in all of our states, we have that place that we all used to gather. I remember us gathering up at the AME Zion Church just because it was the place that was central to all of us, played basketball, did our summer camps, did all of those things as family. We beat each other up one day, and the next day or hours later we were playing with each other. Such is life back then. We shared each other's lunches, and when somebody didn't like their lunch, we switched. And all of those things, all those components. We have the opportunity in our community, even if it's just in our spiritual community, to give some of those things back, to do some of those things, and to show our youth, to show the next generation that there's an importance to coming together and to, to healing, to healing our community, to going inside of our own feelings. That's the shadow. That's, right. That's the shadow. And to stop saying, am I on? And to stop, yeah. and to stop saying, um, it used to be what we used to have, how we used to act. No, we can used to right now and make that mm-hmm. used to into something that becomes our present and then becomes our future. And then those who come after us will then have these, these traditions, new traditions, you know, in new locations, you know, to build upon. But indeed, don't just digest the history and reminisce and, and feel sad or angry or, 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 or joyful or all the, you know, emotions that I personally feel, you know, when I go back and look into our, our past and our history. But, but then use that energy to create and recreate a reality that mirrors your best interest, our best interest in the now, in the present. Uh, I can remember some time back after Hurricane Katrina when I had my own uh, drumming circle that gathered almost every day uh, during that after hours, 5 o'clock to dark hours. And we'd meet at the river. There's a little dip down into the river that at at that time was completely dry. So we couldn't be seen really from the park once we walked down that little dip, that hill. Uh, People would only see the river but could hear, you know, us, you know, kind of reverberating from the river, which was a real powerful experience, you know, even unto itself. But um, it was private and it was personal and we could drum and we could sing and chant or or share and, and, and do ritual and, and sort of work out, you know, um, life, you know, realities, you know, together as a community. And I had a friend in social media, um, also Harris, who lives in the Washington, D.C. area, who then also at the same time talked about building drum circles 
creating drum circles there. And so now some 20, 25 years later, these drum circles are still going on as really vibrant components to community. So don't be afraid under the sound of my voice to be fearless. You know, you might be the first one. It might just be two or three of you at first. It might just be five of you at first, but do something, start something, organize something, create something, make that sacred space that you need and, and you desire. And hopefully that you are a reality out in your community, in, in your neighborhood. Uh, Otan, did you have something you want to say, beloved? Um, I just basically been absorbing everything. Um, I don't have much as far as Congress where I look forward to visiting. Um, but I do agree that sacred spaces need to be preserved in all of our areas where we live. Um, I myself, uh, coming from the Bronx, um, there are a lot of people that don't know the histories of some of the things like Baba Aloya was saying, and even um, within Central Park itself. Central Park was also an African village, and there are plenty of people buried there. And that land was taken from them. And a lot of people have no idea that that was actually an African community there. There are so many things about our state and where we live at. If we just did a little bit of research, we would find out just an absolutely horrendous thing that has happened a lot of our lands and our sacred spaces that have been stolen, reclaimed, or however they want to use to help us think of that, whatever term they want to use, but it's been ongoing. Um, I will also say that even here where I am in Virginia, in Richmond, um, Richmond, Virginia is known for the slave trail, um, not too far, about 10 minutes from where I live, the slave dock still stands. You can, I can go 10 minutes from my house and go visit slave docks where they first were taken off of the ships and everything. That land has not been developed. But, but it's amazing that that is something that they would want to keep. Um, but all around that, they have been developing that area, building high-rises right along the James River, doing all kinds of things. There's a uh, slave burial ground. Um, there are all kinds of things in that area that they have built downtown up and around. And I find that very uh, curiously entertaining in a bit, the sense that if we were to really understand and get in tune with our spiritual selves, with the side of us that can really connect with our ancestors, with the Orisha or Loisha or whatever you subscribe to, we would actually see but these places, these government offices, these people have done these things and have put themselves in an actually more vulnerable position than they would actually like to do. Oh, yeah. If we are willing to do the work and dive deep to get going. I'm at the point to where, okay, we can ask them, but while we're asking, we need to have some of our people doing the work, getting them drum calls and sitting at these ancestral burial grounds and all of these places, because at the end of the day, we have unsurmountable power that we can tap into if we're willing to do it. Now, I'm not talking about speaking negativity into people's lives or anything like that. I'm talking about the things that our local governments, our mayors, city halls, governors, all of these people are doing, and we're doing that, and we're marching, and we're taking to the streets. We need to get mad and take it to our ancestors. We need to get mad and take it to the Orisha, because at the end of the day, a lot of the times, the stuff we fight is even out of fight. So I challenge you, don't just get mad. Yes, speak 
up, do stuff, definitely do the petitions and do everything according to the way the law is written because that's what they want us to do. They want us to, to, to follow the law. But they don't have to. So we need to start doing what we need to do because when they're coming at us, the attack that we're receiving, the attack isn't from one side. The attack is from all sides. They're putting crap in our food. They're taking our lanes. They're killing our men, women, and children. We are getting attacked from all sides. So we need to stop taking one hit after the other and having one one target. We need to look at what we have, designate different groups to handle different things, and our offense and counterattack needs to be on the same angle and at the same level that we are getting attacked. It's time to get up. Don't just sit around, stomp around, marching. That's what I call marching sometimes, stomping around. Get up, do something. Talk to your ancestors. Do some work. Do some ebo, pour some libations, put some food out there, pour some coffee in the ground. Y'all know what to do. We got to start tapping into what they into what we have that we're not using because they know who we are and they are using all of the things that they know about us and who we are to keep us contained and in a certain little box. So we got to stop following the plan. That's right. And we got to just start doing our own. And they know, as you suggested, that these places are still sacred, still vortexes of energy. You know, and so that energy is still vibrating through these places. They, you know, spirit don't care. You didn't put a, a modern building there. You've now gentrified and, and put up your little shops and whatnot there. And and I believe there is, you know, Otan sort of implied it. You know, there's a conscious decision to not just move in on these lands out of greed, but to access these lands because they too know that the power still exists in these places. And when we look at our government buildings, our government facilities, all the math and science and geometry and magic and witchcraft that's weaved into architecture and location and representation and symbolism in this society, we must stand up. And we must stand up not just in an old way, march, petition, you know, vote, participate, but, but to also get involved in a new way. Use your social media. Use your voice. You know, I feel like I have my own media outlet right here in my face, my computer, my mic, my Internet. I can email whom I will. I can go into any social network site that I will. I can contact any newspaper or or documentarian, you know, crew that I will. And I feel ownership of it and my ability to use it to move my ideals forward which are prayerfully the ideas of my community, you know, to be an authentic representative of your community, your family, your way of seeing and being, and then doing something, getting up and setting an example so that your children see you fight, see you stand up, see you march, see you write letters, see you make viral videos, you know, to politicians and and leaders and, and organizers to make the changes that you desire and you seek. Some of you are so despondent and so broken and have just so given up and just so don't trust anything, anywhere, anyhow, and you've got to start first with yourself. Get to a place where you trust yourself. Get to a place where you understand your own power. Get to a mm-hmm. place where you realize that you can create and recreate a reality that mirrors your, your best interests. And then get to doing that work. You know, in the beginning, just doing that work is it's just a distraction from all the feelings associated with, you know, the depressive state. You know, just doing for others, getting outside ourselves. Stop thinking about, 
my issue and start thinking about bigger issues outside of myself. And it's within that environment that I gained personal power, beloved. It's within that environment that I saw my life change and, and things that were once problematic that I thought were forever going to be problematic just dissolved or fell away or changed or transformed or morphed into something else. I can't tell you the power of of spiritual distraction, because that's what I call it. I give you an assignment to distract you from the reason you called me in the first place. We're not negating the reason you called me. We're not negating your original request. I got that written down on on your Word document. I know exactly why you called me, but sometimes in the doing of the work, while me and Oloye do our work, while Otan does her work, you know, in the ceremony, among other practitioners within our community, you too have to be willing to do your work. And so I call it a spiritual distraction. So rather than you worry about the relationship, worry about the job, worry about the health come, I give you something else, usually as complex as possible, <laughs> you know, to focus your energy on so you aren't just sitting just worrying, just sitting and just thinking about the problem. Because that magic, thinking is magic, if you don't know that. That magic creates your reality. So I want to suspend any negative thought and get you to focus on something else, something new, something positive, something creative, something different, so that while that's happening, God is working it out. The Loa and the Orishas are working it out. The ancestors are working it out. And often we, we aren't conscious of the, the moment of change. We, we just realize the change has happened. Wait a minute. Things are different. I'm on the other side. And we often can't even identify when we crossed over into that new space. So I believe in the power of spiritual distraction. Distract yourself with as much spirit as possible. Yeah, we, we also have to look at other particular perspectives of how we can honor ancestors. Have many ever thought to go to, to, to look at the name of the town. If, if people look at some of the towns upstate New York, they, there was a movie on HBO that was Lackawanna Blues. And it talked about the town of, of Lackawanna and, and a small town and how everything was there. Have we ever thought to call on the ancestors of the Lackawanna people, the Lackawanna tribe, to come to help, not just the Lackawanna, but the the name of the tribes of maybe the area that you're at? Sometimes we, you know, we are deep into the African culture, but many of us also have Native American blood running through our veins as well. And we have to start calling upon those ancestors deeply as well because this was their original land. So what we want to do is we want to bring the power of both of those aspects of our ancestry together. Look at the names of the towns that you're at. Sometimes it's the name of a street. Sometimes the street is named after uh, a a particular community uh, of people. And go to that area and go to that, to that, and and do libations and, and do not a crazy offering, but something in, in those areas, in those spaces, and call on the ancestors of those people, of those towns, 
of those areas because some were taken by force. Some were, were taken in a way that their ancestors are not asleep. They're not resting. That's right. And you have the opportunity to be able to bring rest to them by doing appropriate uh, uh, things, uh, rituals that will allow uh, a certain level of peacefulness to resonate in the spirit of the ancestors. That was a hand clap. Yes, sir. <laughs> I just remembered in the moment that I got all of these sound effects that I never, ever use. And I keep saying I'm going to start, you know, using them, but that, that was worthy of the audience applause. For sure. I should. I should. So I just want to say, you know, just make sure that we, especially those of us in these practices, are looking at all that is at our disposal to be able to give honor and to bring peace and to call upon the spirit of our warrior ancestors when we need them, to stand up for us, to do things for us. To intercede and, and intervene in our endeavors, to back us mm-hmm. up when we're backed into a corner, but backed against the wall, you know, to start a fire when a fire needs to be lit. You know, to, mm-hmm. to, to bring water, to rain down on us, you know, when we need to be cooled, you know, and cleansed and, and, and blessed. So, yeah, I absolutely uh, agree with you, 100%. I agree with the goddess initiative. Absolutely, it's spiritual warfare. Uh, Dark Soul Jewel understands uh, probably better than anyone in the chat uh, as a local New Orleans um, resident. And I'm sure I have other uh, local New Orleans um, who are listening right now, they just might not be um, readily available for me to see. But I, I do know Dark Soul Jewa is and understands, you know, at a greater depth, you know, sort of what's going on. I, I have to sort of reinforce her point about the Confederate statue battle. Uh, that didn't just disappear or go underground. That's a real thing, and particularly here in the South. And there are people who are absolutely upset about the removal of these symbols of white supremacy um, and, and racism, you know, in our community, what they call the racial of history, uh, which is why Oloye does not like to use the word history. Uh, when I hear history, I hear his story. Mm-hmm. I hear his story. I don't often hear our story unless we're telling our story. Uh, and, and Dark Soul Jewel is telling our story. There, there's a real issue over the Confederate symbolism versus which our Negroes going to replace it with, which our niggas going to replace it with. You know, and, and we've had those comments on NOLA.com and the gamut in social media from random folks in our community and, of course, from these unidentifiable Facebook profiles, you know, that got 10 of the very same picture and no background. And y'all know what I'm talking about. So we've, we've seen the comments, we've heard the comments in our community about Confederate statuary and Confederate symbolism being removed and now being replaced with black images, indigenous images, cultural images that, you know, the people who are still not ready to grow in our community are, are rallying against. So, yeah, 
continuing to erase the footprint of Congo Square is important to some bloodlines, some lineages, and to some people, you know, within the dynamics of our of our city. Um, and in terms of magic and shadow work, I think it's very important to understand. Oh, and I wanted to know, your emotions are magic. God gave us emotions. God created emotions by whatever name we call God by, creating emotions for very dynamic reasons. And our emotions are magic. All your emotions are real in one-dimensional space. All your emotions are valid in another dimensional space. But then we're supposed to take that energy and do something with it. You take your sadness and do what with it? You take your joy and do what with it? You take your, your satisfaction and then do what with it? You know, you take your anxiety and then do what with it? And they're often a sign of something else, especially when they tend towards the negative. You know, your, your anxiety, well, what is it based in? Is it based on something real? Is it something you're not seeing in your environment that you really need to be paying attention to? Is something within yourself that you've neglected that creates that feeling, that emotion? And likewise, when it's the joy, when it's the happiness emotion, well, what then do we do with that? Do we just rest in our own sense of personal gratification and satisfaction? Or do we indeed wish our children to be happy, our siblings to be at peace, your favorite neighbors to be at peace, you know, your local uh, uh, customer service representative that you deal with twice a month? You know, we, we, what then do we do with that energy? And so emotion in itself is magic. I learned very on the power of my own anger mm-hmm. and what my anger could do, and not only to myself within my own body, but outside in my environment. I saw my first building blow up at around 12 or 13 out of my own anger. I told the story, you know, a few few weeks ago back on the show. And the building just inexplicably, no explanation. I'm walking by with the dog food. It's still raining. Dad's parked across the road in a car looking, you know, and I, of course, I didn't know he was there watching. And then the building just implodes for, for us to witness. You know, I've seen the power of emotion. I've seen the power of my joy, my own happiness for myself and for others. And indeed, the power of a mother. It is said in, in the magical book, The Prayer of a Mother, Bed of Much. I also believe in the power of woman. I don't mess with Iyami. I don't cross Iyami. I don't upset Iyami, <laughs> you know. And when a woman's upset, when a woman's in her emotions, I, I get out of the way or I offer what I can offer, <laughs> you know, in, in that moment. So, yeah, indeed, uh, Goddess Initiative, uh, Armin and Grace, Beloved Oton, Ephah, Tomiwa. Yeah, our emotions are magic, are magical. And when, and when you get stuck, whether it's that depression or that stuckness over that relationship, you are invoking magic, Beloved. You're invoking magic. Whether you're in your positive lane or your negative lane, you are invoking magic. You've got to be careful about what you feel and what you allow yourself to feel and how you respond to it, and to what extent. Feel your feelings, but at some point you got to get up and do something with that. At some point you got to say, okay, I feel good, now what do I do? I feel blocked, now what do I do? I feel challenged, now what do I do? You know, and so we do it for the community, we do it for our sacred spaces, 
but it's an extension of doing it for ourselves. I do what I do for Congo Square because I do it for myself. I do what I do for my ancestors because I do it for myself. I, I do for others ultimately to do for self. So we're interconnected, we're interrelated by blood, by spirit, by soul contracts in some cases. Some of us are soul contracted to be in this space. We may never meet. You may always be just an a icon for me on, on, on YouTube, but you keep coming back, you keep showing up, you keep offering your energy, we keep offering our energy to feel, fulfill some soul contract that we all may not be consciously, you know, aware of in this moment. And again, that shows up in our shadow work. That shows up in how we address the why and the questioning. How do you feel? How do you feel? Do you love the life? Come on, cousin. If I talks about that too, if I, in many verses, will tell you that you cannot be one that gets significantly angry because you have the power in that anger, in your spirit, to make other things happen. You talked about uh, the the uh, building. Well, there are some uh, verses in in Yifah that will tell you if you get that angry, you can cause a blow up, uh, an explosion, because you can uh, you can cause the electrical power in your in your house to to cause fire. You cannot allow yourself to get too low because then it, it does not, you have an uh, even more problem in your, in, in your uh, situation to raise up. If I talks about emotions, so therefore, when you think about the verses like that, you're talking about what we call inner work, but most people call shadow work. It is already built in the scriptures and the verses of Ifa, Fa, Afa, to share with you the importance of not allowing your emotions to get out of, I want to say out of hand, but not all the time is it out of hand, is it sometimes we can't get a handle on on our emotions. And when we can't get a handle on our emotions, it's because we're having a significant struggle in possibly finding where this energy is coming from. And part of it is that we struggle sometimes with feeling that if we allow things to move organically, that we are not in control. And sometimes we have to step out of that control mechanism to allow things to manifest organically. Because if Alugamare is in control of all things. If Ifa is in control of all things, then Ifa is guiding some type of change that needs to be manifesting within us. And that change then is like Oya, when she's blowing things all around, is to be still in that moment. And then over time, the truth bears witness as to why maybe these energies were inside of you. Maybe there's things going on in other people or around you that are causing this. So we can't hold on to it ourselves. We have to be able to say, okay, 
I, I received that this is going on right here, but now I need to set it over here so I can keep moving and allow myself not to worry about being in control, but allowing the organic energy to take place. So when we're looking at all of this from a shadow perspective and ancestors, our ancestors went through their own challenges and struggles in their carnal life, in their temporal life. And much of that then comes to us un unknowingly. And some of it we have to now be able to recognize that we are holding the place of our ancestors with this situation and allow ourselves to organically go through and feel and then take the necessary steps that we can to kind of correct. This then goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of our intentional thoughts, actions, and energy. Our intention behind how do I let these things go? What steps do I take to let it go? And how then do I allow myself to step out of my own judgment, to step out of my own way, and then allow that what God has for me will be for me. And so I believe that that's a major part of our own shadow work, a major part. Our ancestors, their challenges, their tribulations, their struggles are within us. But we have to now be cognizant of how we address it. We have the power to yeah. heal those things for our ancestors, for our elders even, for other people in our lives, in our family, in our DNA. But we cannot hold on to ourselves what doesn't belong to us. We have to be able to accept that it's being given to us, do the work that we need to do, even if it's ritually, and then be able to allow ourselves to move forward and not hold on to it. You know, when you were describing emotion, um, SU came to my mind and a spinning top. And I thought about how that point of the spinning top stays grounded. Stay, when, it, when it's in balance, it stays grounded. Mm -hmm. But that top part of the top represents the emotion. And it's bouncing around and it's moving from one side to the other, one perspective to the other, of course, turning all the while, you know, mm -hmm. revolutions, rotations, of what I call weather of, of emotion that comes through our lives, grief, happiness, sadness, joy, you know, all, all those things. But the point of the spinning top still manages to, to stay on the ground mm -hmm. and stay grounded, no matter what kind of movement. You know, it, it's happening until mm -hmm. something upsets, truly upsets the balance. Right. You know, and so that, that imagery was flooding my mind as you were describing emotion and how we operate in emotion and sort of move back and forth from one emotion to another. Ultimately, still manifesting who you are, who, who indeed you are at the, at the core, at the root. You know, so until you change the positioning of that tip, of that spinning top, you, you're going to get the same result. Even though you're, you're bouncing all, all about, you're going to get the same result. 
But at some point, you have to sort of sturdy, sturdy things, steady things, you know, shore things up, our position and in, in who we are and, and what we're doing and what our purpose is here and what we're truly indeed here to fulfill. Um, it's 2 o'clock, and I certainly do uh, uh, appreciate you, love you. Uh, I'm grateful for the support, uh, for the consistency that my cousins show, uh, Lakeithia, Oloye, Ifawole, uh, Beloved Otan, my mom, Wapani, and many others here in the chat, Winifield Reed of the Goddess Initiative, um, Neophyte Bokor, many others. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so honored by you. I look forward to meeting you here again at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. If you haven't already, please follow me, add me, subscribe to me on Blog Talk Radio, click like and all that kind of good stuff, but please add and follow so you can maintain consistent um, communication in terms of when I'm airing and broadcasting. And of course, in YouTube and all the other platforms that I'm available, I'll keep you up to date. I'll be present. I'll be here with bells on. And I'm grateful for you, Otan. I, I really am. Oh, yay. I'm, I'm grateful for you, beloved. I, I really am. You all have changed my life. Uh, DNA science has changed my life dramatically uh, in a way I could have never expected. You know, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful. You have changed our life as well, cousin. All is a blessing. Until next time, all is a blessing. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. Your yes, yes, yes. So I'm not going to keep you all long unless you all have something to say. I'm not going to keep you all long. Otan, please, I'm not sure I actually have your phone number. So text that to me, and I'm probably going to call you at some random point today or tomorrow. Okay. But nothing specific, but just, you know, as I told OOA in our conversation yesterday, I still want to make sure that we're building relationships, even off air, even um, beyond ministry, that we continue, you know, to grow and learn each other, you know, like real family, you know, should do, like real friends should do. So I want to be able to call you at some point. So make sure I have your number. All right. All is a blessing. All right. See you all later. Peace and love. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. All is a blessing. Please come on back next time, high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, for more revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo, secret Congo Square. All is a blessing. All is a blessing. The almost Indian. The almost Indian prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. 
Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat. Heart be at this place, at this place be heart be be we beating place in new world space, beating being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace. Our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do. Let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing 
ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade, but dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades. Eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now. And still, this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be. Beat Congo Square. Be Congo Square. Beat Be Beat Be
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.